Good evening, all you blood-obsessed Murderball fans. This is 665.66 UHMR Camrat Radio. Stands are getting packed this week as Murderball season gets underway in the Underhive. Since the fiery loss of the 69th Street Bangers, their arena ruins have been bought by House Emotis, and they have started to rebuild and recruit. So keep those eyes open for jobs and team positions. As always, I am your dagger-spinning Board freak Goblin King, and tonight I am joined by our maniacal chainsaw menace, Marky. All those M's. What it is, hoes. Our murder ball mask belt fed blunderbuss wielding beast. Who the hell are you calling hoes? <laughs> hoes. My, my hoes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> they're they're real yeah 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 sure the hose knows sure like fire hose garden hose what type of hose are we talking about all the hose uh, and all the area cuts back from assignment deep inside our lady of the emperor's church convent kevin what I do with the ladies to test their faith is none of your business. <laughs> it does happen deep inside, though, doesn't it? Does, it was very I deep mean, inside. Very, as deep as I could get. Very, very deep undercover. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Un- undercover. I just got it. I just got, I just got it. it. I just got it. <laughs> At least it was undercover and not with no cover. <laughs> so this is our first October. Nice. That's a spooky ass introduction right there. We oh got my first, God. We got our first. Oh my God. <laughs> we got our first spooky oh, doogie of the night. I landed away. It's in my mouth. <laughs> you know, my family used to call those air biscuits when they're like really thick. Uh, my, niece, my niece would call them stinky steams. <laughs> they got a little texture to them. You know? <laughs> this is this is why Tony's not a guest. You know, you know it's bad yeah, when she, she wants to be able to fucking leave. When you know it's bad, bad when Ryan has to chew his air. <laughs> Man, that's gonna itch me. <laughs> Why do my gums stink? Oh man, yeah. here and you know <laughs> that's how it goes. Sometimes is <laughs> it clear your sinuses right up there? <laughs> so, but now you can't swallow the sump gas. That's true. <laughs> well, thought that was the sump gas there. Oh yeah, totally, totally was the sump gas. <laughs> you guys got them sump sump frogs. Stepping on them sump frogs. <laughs> it's a drip in the bucket. <laughs> so uh, this will kick us off for our October season. We're going to try to bring you guys some spooky content in October's moving forward. So we wanted to jump in with a Lore Stories episode. So tonight is our Lore Stories Horror Night episode. Horror with the W H O R E. Horror. God, motherfuckers. Horror. Not to be confused with our Christmas episodes that's full of ho ho ho. Today, during mandatory podcast fuck around time, we wanted to go over a couple of updates that have come about from our community writing project through our Discord server. For those of you who don't know, or those of you who haven't joined us yet, we do have a growing community on Discord, which is a great way to reach us. And you guys are pretty cool. I mean, so far, I Tom, mean, like, Tom, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, Discord for for those of for those of you who haven't checked it out yet, or for those of you who don't give a shit, you should because uh, the Discord is hopping. And if you don't, then uh, too bad. So one of the things that we do over there is every couple of months we announce a new topic and we work on fleshing out some of the details of our hive. 
And since August, we started working on gangs, cults, and organizations, and we've kept working with that. At the same time, us, the UHM cast, we're always also working on little bits of fleshing out different things that we introduced to the Hive. One of the things that we introduced to the Hive very early on was four-armed emperor, but we haven't really ever dived into or defined what four-armed emperor is or how that lore coincides. So Kevin, start us off with the joke where we got the name for the four-armed emperor. So, uh... Actually, that, that was actually a pretty good little little tittle story, and this it always brings a good chuckle when we bring this up. So I was playing my Imperial Guard, as usual, and Mark had uh, recently acquired some gene stealers. Tactically acquired. Tactically acquired some gene stealers. <laughs> From some poor soul. And like uh, a 10-year-old little kid. We were playing a game, and... Uh, 10-year-olds carrying around Games Workshop shit? What, were right? we, what part of this city do you live in? Why do you, you think I took it? Oh, Why do you okay, think okay. I took gotcha, it? Gotcha. And uh, we were fighting against uh, Tom, right? With the, with his knights? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was coming over here. Uh, he didn't like the fact that uh, those guardsmen look a little different than those other yeah, guardsmen. They got them raisins on their face. And I was like, I don't know, man. This dude looks all right to me. And yeah. so he went in, charged in, yeah, and Kevin so doesn't did judge. I. You know, I got a face clitoris, but it's okay. I mean, he's shooting at the same guy I'm shooting at. That's all right with me. Yeah, yeah. As, and as we charged. As we charged, you know, I'm like, for the emperor. And, and I'm just like, yeah, and he's for like, yeah, for, for our emperor. And I'm like, wait, what? What? Ah, <laughs> right, right, right. For, for, our, for yeah. our emperor, yeah. yeah for our yeah, emperor. That's for our emperor. That's what he said. Yeah, yeah, totally I, I don't even said. say for our emperor. Yeah, yeah, yeah for, 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 the emperor. for the emperor. Yeah. For the emperor, yeah. yeah. For our emperor. I got it. I mean, not <laughs> all the emperor. It's my accent, you know, so I can't, I can't. Yeah, I can't judge him for having a little bit of a lisp. He's yeah. kind of, his face looks a little funny, but right, well, that right. was, that was the, the biggest. The air might suck in their hive. That know? was the biggest <laughs> joke is like thinking about it in like a meme sense. Because it was like, oh, this is the perfect meme for 40 Yeah. Yeah. You've got the, the guys all going up and over the wall going, for the emperor. And then another dude, you can see his arm like all folded up under his uniform. And he's like, for that four-armed emperor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The guy turns his face around. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> so yeah, so it, it, pretty pretty early in, I think maybe even episode one, we started joking around about it. Oh yeah, and yeah, we um, threw it out there a couple times. We haven't recently, but uh, yeah, we we haven't there. done that that joke, but oh, we do we every do, time we play. We oh, do. <laughs> we do end every episode with some anecdote about what you shouldn't do around or to a four-armed emperor. And that's because we adopted the four-armed emperor as a creature, a cryptid, if you will, that lives in the Innsmouth Hive. So to start us off here, we're going to do a couple updates on the lore that we've made that deals specifically with the underhive's rat problem. We got a rat problem? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not really a problem. It's kind of a solution <laughs> if you really think about it. They're not really rats. Like really good <laughs> really good food source, you, you know? know? They one one man's eating. problem is another man's solution. Right. You know, when you're when you're trying to maximize the amount of wings that you get off of a rat, if the rat's got six limbs, you get more wings. Right, exactly. Yeah. At that point, I believe it would be almost like a crab. What's a crab? It's a, a crustacean. Crustacean. All those oh, things that live down in the sump. Oh no! When you see when I was up in, the, was in the doing the recon last, I mean they can be <laughs> up in the gardens. That was the fourth the time got I had these weird, crabs. These weird <laughs> things. They kind of look like the rats, and they crawl around on the bottom of these little ponds. <laughs> okay, okay. But then when they when they get hungry, they go out and grab one, and they just boil it in a pot of water. Man, that's lobstrosaurus. Is that what it's called? Uh, I don't know. Are you yeah. talking about fucking crawdads? Is that what you're yeah, talking about? Some upper hive filigree I nonsense. Know, but it was pretty whack. I'd never seen I had never seen any of that before. You just grab something alive, throw it straight in a pot. 
You don't have to like fight it or anything. I mean, like it doesn't struggle. Bottom feeders <laughs> of the sump. I mean, do you really want to eat that? No, no, no. This was Noble Garden bullshit. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Bottom yeah. feeders of the. Noble I mean, you know what they right? say. I, I'm it's all about that. If we if we, we eat it down here, if man. we eat it down here because we have to, the upper hivers eat it as a delicacy. True stories. So, so forearmed rats are a delicacy to them. You think? Yeah, I mean, well, I'm, I'm how sure they don't. Of a walk, they'd have to come on. Dude, to I want to be some. like the Palatero man, like of like four-armed emperors. You just roll up, and you like, you know, you got like the <laughs> little hanging my yeah. Yeah. Like, Hey, nutty, nutty Jays, man, always slinging, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be up there outside the murder Emperor ball game, going, <laughs> going, going rat dog, rat yeah. dog. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. So as uh, so as we talked about when we outlined our entire hive lore. One of the things that we talk about, or one of the things that we've adopted with our hive is a very long time ago, probably generations ago, there was a tyranny, a tyranid splinter that somehow found its way. <laughs> a tyranny of tyranids. A, a tyrannied, uh, that somehow found its way to this particular hive world and a strain of gene stealers infected the rat population instead of the human population. Uh, we've got a couple of theories about how that may have happened. Mar Marky <laughs> likes to say that a gene stealer Fell madly in love with a rat. Yes. Yes. Do you don't know that story? The will, I do the not will, know that. The story. Willard of Gene Stealers. So, so the stowaway Gene Stealer. So this is a story that was handed down, you know, from generation to generation of, uh, of, uh, I, I would say of your family. Of, of, yeah. You know, the, the, the family quote unquote, nutty Jays. And, uh, family. you got you talk about family. I was like, you just grabbed my drink, bro. <laughs> <laughs> <I did. laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it was once said that there was this uh, this this bug like crustacean creature that had, uh, you know, a lot of arms and a lot of teeth that uh, fell madly in love with uh, something that was a little bit too small for his britches. And uh, he he just uh, kept chasing look, it around because there was look, nothing. Look, size nothing is not always what matters. You know, well, right? you know when you're when you're in an aircraft and you get dumped in the sump, and all you see are just you know rats everywhere. It's, you know, love life finds a way. <laughs> life finds life finds, finds, finds a, a way. way. <laughs> you see, you see. That may be what your family says, but my mama said they were so angry because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush. This the medulla. Medulla. Oblongata. Guess guess what, Kevin? Mama's wrong. Oh, yeah. Mama's wrong what again. Say, mama. I do believe. Uh, give my best to your daughter and mother. <laughs> so so building upon these little one-liners and little teasers and little in jokes that we've had. We've decided that the four-armed emperors are about the size of a gene stealer and act a lot like a gene stealer. However, since this infestation has been disconnected from the hive mind for so long, they're no longer reproducing or really doing the sort of things that a gene stealer cult might do. So, you know, think about a synapse creature, gene stealers being one of the synapse creatures that report to a brood mind rather than the hive mind. Well, I was there is still reacting like that within their own colony. But they're not getting, you know, the brood mind isn't connecting to the hive mind and getting it's, orders. Right. They're not ringing the dinner bell. Right. right. It's more like survival mode. Well, yeah. Well, but well, they, they do have a caste system, though, right? Right. They do. They do. Yeah, that's they, what I was going to say. And they're not just that large. The, they go all the way down in size as yes. well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're specifically talking about the, the big ones. The four-armed emperor right. right now. Okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, the, so the patriarch, the essentially. One, yeah. The, uh, no, not the patriarch. Not not the patriarch. The, 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 when, we, when we make our reference to the four-armed emperor. Oh. 
Oh, okay. That, that's just the general populace yeah, kind that, of thing. That's, that's the gene stealer sized Acolytes, armed rat. neophytes kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But what, what I was kind of trying to get at was uh, that the gene stealer basically tries to take over, is it the, the patriarchy? Is that like the... Is that, is the, so the gene stealer cults have a patriarch that controls them. Well, that they're the trying to take over the government, stealer, which is yes. uh, normally, normally yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so what I'm thinking right. is like they threw over the rat government, you know? Yeah, basically. So they're like, yeah. <laughs> I always kind of pictured it like the gene stealer ended up so far down in the sump, right? There's no human really take There over. wasn't anything left, and it so it was like last, like it was about to like kind of like expire because eventually they would die, right? Yeah. So the only biomass like, is the only rats. thing I have is is rat. Yep reproduce you know follow the prime directive yeah reproduce yeah. find something and reproduce and and thousands of generations later you have these four-armed rats these things that definitely look like they've been mixed with the genetic code of gene stealers but they recognizably are just ridiculously oversized rats they with still reproduce legs. like reproduce rats they still consume food like rats they still behave for the most however like rats. They just, as they, to they have a very a uh, hankering hunger for toes. For toes. <laughs> they yeah. nibble, nibble they, on they nibble toes. toes. That is, that's the thing for real rats, though, too. So, as Marky was kind of... <laughs> that is true. They will eat your fucking toes off if you let them. So, as Marky was... It's, it's your extremities. <laughs> is that blowing your, it's your mind? Extremities. No, is that but, blowing still, your mind? It's no, your extremities, scary. period. It's anything, like, fleshy on the... Ex- yeah, yeah, because they'll just kind of eyes, chewing on Eyes and tugs, tongues and genitalia are also rat delicacies. Wasn't that, like, a really big thing, like, on boats? Like people mm-hmm. would have like yeah. their toes. You'd pass thing. out and they'd eat your toes right. and your yeah, fingers. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was a form of torture too. Oh really? Well yeah, yeah they, 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 they could put use you in rats. a box full of rats. And... Oh, I was thinking about that bucket thing where he puts Dude, the rat yeah, in the bucket yeah. and he puts yeah. a bucket yeah. under it. That's they, a real they thing. Heat it up, Is it so really? It'll, it'll yeah. eat through your guts. Yeah. Ooh. Rats are gnarly. <laughs> so as as Margie was alluding to, Underhive Legend talks about the Vermin Ark. This is a massive hive tyrant sized four armed rat that is the patriarch of the entire colony. This is all canon, by the way. If all, y'all, if all y'all know what that yeah, means now. All, all the rats in the Innsmouth hive are assumed to be from the same colony. So all of the four-armed rats in general are invested in following, or not invested, but are genetically linked to following the vermin arc. This includes the four-armed emperors and down the sizes, the different generations of four-armed rats. It's also assumed by the xenobiologists and the mechanicus that all of the hive cities on the planet are infested with some sort of colony of four-armed rat. However, it has been noted by the same xenobiologists that hive rats from different hives, their populations actually compete and fight with one another. So one of the things that we had been talking about right before we started writing all the notes for this week's episode was the idea that, you know, hive cities are connected. They've got like rail systems above ground that connect abandoned rail systems. Yeah. I think is what we're old, talking about. Yeah. Old rail systems from the initial colonization right. or, that or were laid down and buried over and time, buried over time as well as more current ones right. that are used to transport good and material between. Yeah. So and, there's multiple layers of them. Yeah. And since our planet is an ice planet, it's an ice death world that in the pollution in the particular case of our ice death world is made the cooling of the planet a lot worse. There's probably, as as Kevin just pointed out, 
massive generations of just old rail systems and subway systems that are buried under the ice. So the rats are able to travel between hives. Well, plus, I mean, they do also have the ability to burrow. Yeah, yes. Dig, That's true. Because they've got, they've got the genetic. Code yeah. Well, I mean, like I, I figured some tyrants. of the, some of the like tunnels that have been found have been old tunnels, but they're like, Oh, these have been recently dug out. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. collapse sections that they'll tunnel between. Exactly. Yeah. So this this suggests that each hive might have its own vermin arc. And we've already outlined at least one other hive, which is the Amity hive. So as we continue to develop the planet, we need to we're going we're actually looking at the next thing we're going to do as the hosts of the podcast is we're going to start working on what the planet's name is and what the planet's conditions are for you guys. Yeah. I so that one actually. What's up? I yeah, look forward to that fun. one. I like I like planet space nonsense. Genetically, all the four-armed rats in a colony are related to an ancient strain of tyranid genes. Uh, bi- I'm sorry, tyranid biomass, but they are a genetic dead end. And although it's possible that if the hive mind got within a certain range of the planet, they could re- uh, reassess or reassert their dominance over them. It's not necessarily known whether or not the hive mind would care. They might, the hive mind just might see this as a genetic dead end and leave it as it is. These local brood minds, however, are acting a lot more now, generations later, the way that a rat colony would versus the way that a gene stealer cult would. Um, think of it a lot like the Catachan devil, which is also assumed to have been originally a tyranid bioform that may have been. Like abandoned, abandoned, and just led to some sort of manifestation of its current form several hundreds of generations later. It's it's obvious that there's Tyranid stuff there, but it's obvious that it's not connected to the Tyranids. Right. It isn't a Tyranid, but it shares genetic information right. in some way. Like highly likely that it shares genetic information with Tyranid. And as Kevin had mentioned earlier, there are several genetic strains of four-armed rats. The largest which are seen often in the hive or the forearm emperors. And we, like we said, those are about the size of a gene stealer. They've got four arms like a gene stealer. If you guys have seen which is our about logo, the size of a, a person essentially, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, you guys have seen our podcast logo, hunched over. maybe like a black bear. Yeah. Yeah. I'd a say bear size. That. Yeah. That's about human size, right? Brown, uh, yeah, brown I think, bears you're, I think you're thinking sun bear, sun bear. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. They're, they're like pretty big. Panda? They're pretty panda? big. Panda size. Think, think like 250 pound, Four armed <laughs> rat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was I was like, Tom think size. about my size. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With four yeah, arms. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, they're, they're still a little bit smaller than I was going well, to say, say I, I figured yeah. they're more like our height, not Tom's height. Right, right. The rest of us are, are more similar in, in height. <laughs> if you but, want an idea, they're wider. It's bigger yeah. than you, not as big as me. <laughs> if you want an idea what they look like, look at our podcast logo. There's a four armed rat standing on top of a servo skull. Now imagine that four armed rat, human sized. Yeah, that's a small go. one. A little less There's fur. Ones. A little less fur. The most seen are just regular forearmed rats, which range in size from a Terran standard rat to about the size of a small dog. Most of these rats, it, most of the rats in this category are never going to get larger than about 25 pounds. I call them ratigans. Ratigan. There you ratigans. go. I like that. I, like that. <laughs> I call them ratigans. I call them dinner. Less often encountered are the larger forearmed stalkers, which range from the size of a medium-sized dog, so about 60 pounds, to about the size of a Mastiff. And we used Mastiff because Mastiffs are the dog of choice in most hive-centric lore because Mastiffs are the dog that exists in Necromunda. Necromunda is that is a... There. Just kind of touching on that while we're here. Yep. Is that because they that was like kind of the only dog breed to withstand 
all the shittiness that humanity went through prior? I don't know. And or we is it just a, that's the no, desired? I think of, it's just the cool dog that they it just, picked. They just picked a cool big Well, yeah, because they still have. Cyber Mastiff sounds cool. Uh, yeah. and, and they still have, like, even in the upper hives and stuff, when they were on, like, uh, uh, what was it? Inquisitors going through, like, higher, higher ranking officials. They still have, like, poodles and shit. They still have lap dogs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There, there's I mean, I know some of the nobles the, have their own private Zeno Zoo and all that kind of. The nonsense, really, the but. really big, thick, silver hardback book that the the original Horus Heresy book, the art book. There is at least one or two um, pictures, like paintings and and stuff from the early Games Workshop days that have what looks like either French bulldogs or Boston terriers yeah. or pugs in the laps of nobles. Isn't the, oh, that's uh, cool. Isn't the model that you got from the Rogue Trader? Isn't that like a Rottweiler or a Doberman? It's, say, it's uh, like Doberman. a Doberman. That's yeah. A Doberman. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but generally I mean, speaking, how I painted it. You can kind of paint it a whole bunch of ways, yeah. make it look right. Kind of but it's got like but the ears and stuff. Essentially, right. yeah, it's kind of Dober mini. Another reason that we use Mastiff for this, other than the fact that it has a connection to Hive lore existing in Warhammer 40k, is everybody kind of understands that Mastiffs are one of the largest dog breeds. Right. So again, you're thinking like a 60 pound. You're thinking of like a, a six armed rat that walks around on all sixes most of the time forearmed emperors run around on twos it's almost like a dog-sized tarantula <laughs> oh my god it's kind of like what That's i'm picturing as you think about it. i'm a like bit. that would that would be pretty terrifying except it'll fuck you up more rodents yeah of, yeah because rodents of unusual size you say <laughs> i thought i told you to stop making <laughs> so so the largest and normally only encountered deep within the underhive or in the sump where they exist all the time are the forearmed emperors. And being that we are largely a podcast that is based in dodging the Arbites deep in the underhive, we probably flirt with playing in the deep underhive and near the sump a lot, which is why we often give our listeners warnings about what to or not to do around forearmed emperors. It's or like just a, it's sometimes like a, the rats in general. It's like a death claw, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah essentially yeah, like a, a little death bit. claw. I mean, a lot yo, smaller, yo but <laughs> so so. I was just kind of brainstorming something. Uh, I I would like the uh, or I, I I heard the Nutty Jays run an underground ring of uh, forearmed rat fighting. I like it. Yeah, like forearmed emperor, like they hunt them. Oh, down. you're talking about rot rings. Rot rings. Yeah, rot rings. Yeah, is that what they're called? Yeah, it's radigans that they throw radigans in to fight yeah. each other. Yeah, rot rings. Rot rings. So like uh, the, oh, the Nutty. I, like the, I heard the Nutty Jays run it. But all of the all of the gangs put their yeah, uh, yeah everybody brings their like top rat their yeah, prized yeah. rat mm-hmm. their their prized rat yeah is somebody taking notes I thought first because you're, I mean, you're adding more I, I, mean, I, mean, I mean also I, too, I know, I know. they pit them up against other animals too first rule of rat club is don't talk about rat club <laughs> like you actually hit me you almost actually got hit back <laughs> yeah like he, he slapped bare skin and I almost punched him I was like motherfucker <laughs> um, no they, they, they make him fight other animals too so so rat rings what, 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 I mean rot rings rot, rot, rot. rot rings as in like Nurgle's rot gotcha rot rings with forearmed emperors because nobody wants to go in there and clean forearm, that shit forearmed stalkers and other animals right. fight yeah. I, don't, I don't think it gets any bigger than stalkers though I, I don't think no. well, I, I don't mean, think you can handle an emperor it's, it's like that how do you keep something that big in a cage yeah right yeah. without yeah. without like a, you know a whole platoon without being fed for months I mean they have, they have without like, feeding it the yeah. weakest members of your gang yeah. I mean re- rending claws can <laughs> like rip through steel, yeah it's not like, so it's, not like yeah. it's not like Star Wars you don't have a fucking rancor sitting downstairs you know I mean some I mean maybe you oh, do I mean, yeah, yeah alright fine enough, if you right? want I mean. so 
the other thing that we talked about is since there's a vermin arc, there's probably other genetic strains that the vermin arc is capable of creating. So think of like a rat effects. There could be a rat effects down in the sump somewhere. Well, it's more like because uh, it's all gene stealers. So it's uh, like they have genetic like alterations that they do that fail like aberrants. So it's yeah. like something that they were trying to create. They, they don't create like. Uh, they don't the make carn effects as in hive tyrants. They don't make mainline like tyrannids. Right. Oh, but all, I like the idea of there I, being I a like rat carn effects. Well, it could be like a. a it could be we're, we're over still, so many generations. Like, we're still, it's deviated far enough to event. I mean, you roll the dice, eventually be, you're going to get back to that pattern. Right, it's right. going to be a little bit more. I, I see what you're saying. And, it's going to be a little yeah. bit more like a rat ogre. Think of like the Skaven's rat exactly. ogre. Exactly. Yeah, giant abomination. I don't know. I think you guys, I don't know if you've ever seen it. I've seen it. The fucking rats with wings. Oh God, that's terrifying! Right? I thought I told you to stop <laughs> making up animals. <laughs> this, this is how you sleep at night. Is you just like, pretend that everything he, that like everything B springs sh- up is made up. Is this yep. like sugar glider wings, or this is like no, 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 no. Like no. Big, like, like big fuck off wings, man. Like made out of sinew and, and tendon. It's like looks like a, a nut sack wrapped in fingers. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, mm-hmm. dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they hover That's around. That's a you goddamn never, mental never, image. You thing never you. in the you never in the sump and you hear that drumming that like Yeah, 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 yeah. That's them. Oh. That's the flying rats. That's why, I, that's why I always carry like six plasma guns. You guys are mm-hmm. always giving me shit for having extra no, guns. No, I think I think that there just should be there because I look at like a cold. I look at a lot <laughs> of <laughs> it's it's all all plasma, carrying all all plasma all the plasma around all the time. Right? Yeah, yeah, you put your guns away. Used to just overheating to death. Um no, I just think of when I think of like what we're referring to when we talk about all this lore and we talk about rats and this, I think of ant colonies and bee colonies, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I think that. Yeah, like a warrior class. Well, like if you think about, class. I think more of like an, yeah, exactly. I think more of like an ant colony, right? Mm. So like there was You've actually a TV like show. Right. There was this TV show that I was watching for a while and they even had like where the animals were like mutating and they had these rats that literally had queens mm-hmm. and like the queen rats who had a king rat and it's actually like i was gonna bring this up earlier but there's actually a thing called a rat king yeah yeah right? yeah where all the rat tails all the like, rat yeah. tails get tied together and they die yeah like it's it's nuts right so like thinking about this stuff with like the tyranny things like there are these weird things that happen there are when i think of like ants there's always like that that class of ant that actually grows wings right, right you know right. and i think that that's like there's something like that know this. for this you know that's called an elate and that th- those are the ants that are competing to be the new queen, right? Uh, kings, I believe. Yeah, they're right. they're competing to breed with the queens. That, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, during so, their nuptial flights. So just just to lay the ground, the we groundwork. Laid, yeah, we laid out our three. The only well, we laid out the four things that we've all that we've decided on, which are the vermin arc, which is the big overseer, which would be the, essentially the patriarch, right? Yep. Then there's the four armed rats, right? Or four armed emperors, which are essentially gene which stealers. Which would be acolytes, right? Oh, for, no, four armed emperors would be gene stealers. Yes, would be gene stealers. Then we've got the four armed stalkers, right? Which, which are would like, be acolytes, yeah. Which are like the or or they're like they're like dog sized essentially. I don't know what I don't know what the cult has that's the, dog the smaller sized. ones. You said the regular four armed rats. No, no, no. That's the four armed stalkers. Those are the ones that are about the size of a mastiff. So the ones that are the closest to rats would be. The neophytes. Those are the four. Those are just four armed rats. Those are four. Those are the ones I call radigans. Yeah. Those. Are, those are the ones that are between those are the, ones the size eat. of a normal rat. Yeah, and a small dog. Th- those are the ones that people would eat. Yeah. And then the la- the slightly larger ones would probably be the uh, acolytes. Okay. 
which are the ones that are closer to like gene stealer size. And then full on formed emperors would be gene stealers. Then you have genetic all like genetic uh, failures, which would be aberrants. So or the got, equivalent of that. So we've got aberrants. One of the aberrants is a four-armed rat with wings. One right. of the aberrants could be a just a monstrosity that's yeah. that's oh, more yeah. 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 And and who knows what the verminarch collects to him to protect the the center of the hive, mm-hmm. wherever the verminarch lives. And the verminarchs always live deep, deep in the sump. So coming across one happens, but it's a lot like coming across or, or hearing tales of like, say, a Bigfoot or another cryptid. Yeah. Where where it's like only You've only heard of people hearing about seeing this this yeah, thing. We, yeah, your your brother's dad's best friend's roommate's mailman once heard a story about mm-hmm. it. Once saw a picked screen image of one. Very blurry. <laughs> and somebody else was like, nah, Frank, that's just your wife. That's Jeff, Jeff Jimbo in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> See how he walks? <laughs> so however any of this came up about this obviously has not only affected the history of the planet, but it's affected the history of the Innsmouth hive itself. And at one point in the past, the Innsmouth rat colony had pushed out so much into the underhive that it had started to take resources and even diminish the population of anything higher than the underhive itself. And, and in currently in cases when the rat population does get too high, the same thing will happen. The rat population gets too high and the colony starts to increase its activity in the underhive and threaten the actual hive itself. To combat this, about 300 years ago, the high lords of the hive met with one of the most powerful underhive gangs at the time. This gang had already started specializing in breeding mastiffs and hunting cats that were about the size of cheetahs. They somehow got some cats from off-world and started breeding them big and were already starting to breed mastiffs and make cyber mastiffs to hunt down and kill rat populations in their own territory. Kind of looked like a puma to me. (laughs) Ocelot. So (laughs) this gang was called the Dominalis Metacorum, and they were tasked with creating bigger genetic strains of hunting cat, combining their breeding methods with the genetic and biomedical secrets that were introduced to the gang by the Magos xenobiologist of the Mechanicum that was stationed at Innsmouth Hive. Since then, they have become one of the most powerful clans of the upper hive. Again, the Dominalis Medicorum breeds highly specialized and extremely dangerous death leopards. These are tiger-sized hunting cats with six eyes and six limbs. Death leopards have been crossbred with the fear cat and even the grinks. This is added to their deadly nature, and it allows them a higher psychic connection to their handlers. While most death leopards are kept in the mid and upper hives, patrolling the sectors in control, of allied clans or the manufactorums and houses that can afford the services of the Dominalis Minicorum. From time to time, a handler dies and a large cat will escape deeper into the underhive. The sump actually has a population of feral death leopards, which are constantly at odds with the Verminarch's colony. So I'm thinking that, uh, you know how we have uh, Turkey Day kind of dealio? Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking that that house only does like a purging of four-armed emperors once a year around around turkey day that's the only time otherwise they let they let the underhive deal with itself (laughs) and they let that'd be cool there's a hunt festival exactly like that i like that hunt yeah so in the underhive only the foolish the incredibly brave 
the insane or the stupid powerful who have access to psychers have ever caught feral death leopards. And in order to do it, you need a psyker that is capable of binding with the death leopard. The skills of that handler Some and avatar shit, man, the skill I was thinking more, um, Pacific rim, but it's, it's I like that. Like the I, I'm, yeah, you know how like they've got to sync with each other. Yeah, yeah. Like these, the, they gotta, these they psychers their little, have their, to psychically sync. So a Grinks they is have in, their ponytail pussy in the in the thingy, and they tie each other together, and they're together. I thought that they're was, bonded forever. That was more like I mean I don't want to bring it up in the podcast. That's but, what it is. But since I'm pretty sure at this point we're gonna just cut this little line out. That's no, called no, 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 no. We gotta keep that. We gotta keep it. That's called fraudage. What is? It's when you put one dick inside of another dick. No, that's called oh, that's docking. docking. Isn't fraudage? No, fraudage yeah. is when you rub them together. That sounds like frontage. Fraudage. Like the street that runs next to the highway? No. <laughs> that's where you You're rub right. your dicks together? That's what frontage street means? Involved. I mean, maybe, it might maybe, be the same maybe thing. Maybe it ends up doing both. Okay, okay, I know okay. one of them has to do oh with foreskin. fucking yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Anyway, back to the point. Tail pussy. pussy. Okay, so, <laughs> so you've got the wrong idea. So the Eldari use Grinks as familiars. They psychically bond to a Grinks, and then a Grinks allows a powerful enough Eldari to essentially have extra Okay, so there's no physical, powers. like... No. This is not a physical connection. What is it, tribbing? <sighs> this is Just nothing... This has stop, nothing stop. to do with scissoring <laughs> or docking Some sort of or anything I didn't. I didn't say any of that. It's not felching. It's not munging. Do you want to talk about oh, munging? Jesus no, I, I didn't do want to Do you want to know what munging is? I didn't no, want to talk about any does, of it. This is the horror episode. Let's that. talk this about munging. I say pussy one time, and now everybody's like, yeah, and then there's, you know, <laughs> docking and mudging and... <laughs> mudging? <laughs> whatever. whatever. <laughs> it just made up another one. Yep, 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 yep. All right, so, uh, so, to set, so to set you straight, think of the movie Pacific Rim. Yes. In order for two humans to control a giant robot, they have to drift with each other. They have right. to psychically link. They're not touching each other. They're not connected in any way. They're just psychically sharing a connection. Got you. So a powerful enough psyker has to dedicate a portion of their psychic power to controlling the death leopard, or the death leopard will literally just murder everything because it's just a giant cat. It's just gotcha. a giant murder cat. Right. <laughs> and it looks at everything like a like a red dot. Like food. Everything is food. There's a jungle cat in the bathroom. <laughs> the fucking <laughs> king of the jungle. King of the fucking jungle. <laughs> so because of this, pairings of handlers and cats are highly sought after by all of the most powerful people in the underhive gangs. So it's rumored that Estrada, I'm sorry. You're, I, I swear to God. I don't know what's <laughs> the king of the jungle. It's, just, I, I, it's I not know, the king it. of the jungle. It's the, it's the, it's the, no, these, it's the, these two things are psychically linked. Oh, you mean like the dick pussies from Avatar? <laughs> no, that was close. no, you play that this game and you know that this game has psychic powers. It was close. <laughs> never once have I been the like, dick pussies? never once have I been like, Tom. Tom, I'm I'm rolling I'm rolling psychic scream on you, and and fucking and fucking Mark stops the game to be like, they got hey, Tom, all the hey Tom, he's smacking you with his dick, pussy. 
<laughs> his mental he dick, pussy. dick pussy. <laughs> he just opened his third eye and let it wave around. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> and I was more laughing at the king of the fucking jungle. <laughs> right? That's where I was like, That's this, we were this laughing is what at. broke me. This is what broke me. <laughs> yeah. It's the king of the fucking I'm jungle. The king of the fucking jungle. <laughs> So, this is grandma's boy. So, yeah, 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 yeah. so when we were talking about all this shit, laying all of it out, like fucking Kevin jumps in <laughs> and posts a posts a fucking meme of the tiger grabbing Tiger King's fucking foot and dragging <laughs> him across the floor. I'll never financially recover from this. <laughs> and it's just like like that's a that's a bad psyker. Like, I'm so powerful, I can control an entire zoo of tiger. No, I can't. No, I fucked up. I just thought it was perfect. You guys are talking about these guys going crazy and murdering people, and I was like, Tiger King. Is it, is it Tiger <laughs> he literally is looking at you, he's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so it's rumored that Estra Malinius, who sits on the Warmongers Council, has a pair of bound death leopards. It is conceived that because she is able to do this, she is actually an Eldari warrior. This is also been reinforced by the fact that she is almost never seen outside of her combat armor. The warmonger has that. Warmongers yeah, have that. That's right. You guys got the elder? I guess, I don't know. Who's got? We got, got two. Eldar? We got two jungle cats. I know we that. Have, <laughs> we have multiple elder that we've already hinted at. Uh-huh. Dark and normal that lives in the <laughs> I, don't, I don't care, man. We got two murder cats. That's all. Caster, I care about. Caster Sin of the Splatterhawks also has a bound <laughs> death leopard. Wabu and Siri. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Caster Sin of the Splatterhawks also has a bound death leopard who is named Leopold who is trained specifically to hunt down other psychers. So Leopold doesn't like that he's bound and will go after other bound things. Uh, I don't want one of those, man. Rumor says that the Nutty Jays have at least one bound pair, and Thank the underhived Exilia, has, whose connections with the company Red Squig, means that they have actually retained the services of actual Dominalis Medicorum bound death I want, leopard I want pairs. four-armed emperors in the Nutty Jays. That's because you guys are fucking insane. I know. You're also supposed to stop referring to who you are in no, the I, podcast I, context. You know, I've I've heard that the Auxilia also maintains a uh, a sizable force of cyber mastiffs. Yeah, that's those. yeah, that's I that like makes it. more like sense that. to me. We're not on the cyber mastiff episode, but I, I would I say that makes I, that makes more sense to me that he, they the the Auxilia would have the dogs like so the Auxilia, as I mentioned, the Auxilia doesn't actually have any no. bound right, right, of okay, yeah, they no, no, they're the just supplies. powerful enough that yeah. they can retain the services. Yeah, they yeah, can that formally that request the services of essentially I, like a mercenary. since I like since that. I like the underhive Auxilia currently controls red squig yeah i yeah i like that i like that they they uh i heard they secured the uh, security contract for at least the next six months yeah well i mean when you shoot everybody yeah it's real hard for other people to apply if they can't get in the front door the notorious gangster and free agent corpo the spider employs a pair of twin sisters both still in their early teens who are bound to a pair of death leopards i uh this makes me get like vibes of the twin girls from fucking um, the stand. Are the uh, are the death lepers like also twins? Yes. Are you sure it's the twins that are bound to the or not the twins bound to the death lepers? No I fucking them, clue, man. I've seen them looking around like they're about to eat some people. Dude, Corpo's Corpo's a weird fuck. So who knows? A little bit, a little bit of menagerie going on in there a in the brain. Menagerie. 
All right, guys. So that that brings us uh, up to all the lore that we've created for the Death Leopards. Again, ways to interact with us as we develop this lore to get a little bit deeper into Innsmouth Hive to help us come up with other gangs or other affiliates, other cults, even other official houses and stuff like that. Interact with us through the Discord. There's uh, access. We've given you guys access to a couple of different Google Drives where you can make suggestions. And then we go in and we look at the suggestions you've made and we either accept them or not. Um, we either throw Corpo, them away or pass them off as our own. <laughs> the Cor Corpo the Spider was actually created by Godded Warrior, who's one of our members. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. So... And uh, Semi-Serious Nerd is the guy who came up with the name for our first official house or clan, which is the Dominalis Midicorum. Okay, sweet. Yeah, He yeah, actually I, had the kernel of the idea for there is uh, – because we, we drop – you know, just like James, James Workshop. Just like Games Workshop. Yeah, copyright. Which is that's very that, different. That, that cheesy knockoff James Workshop. James, <laughs> James Works not. Uh, <laughs> of, of Space Sword 69. Right, right. <laughs> uh, just like they have a tendency to drop one-liners, we dropped the one-liner a really long time ago about how there were cyber mastiffs and six-limbed cats that lived in the Underhive. And he was like, hey, this is a really cool concept. I had an idea. And then we... Built on that. We built on the idea what the forearmed emperors were so we could give his idea something we to actually We did what combat. James Workshop did and took James, his idea. What James Wars, James Garage. War, War, Garage. Yes, James Garage. James Garage. <laughs> James Woodshop. Yeah. James Woodshop. What James Woodshop does. <laughs> we did what James Woodshop did and take that idea and then make it our own. <laughs> and then we're going to end somebody NDA can somebody yes. Can somebody freaking trademark James Woodshop right now? Just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to uh, get sued by G Dub. I'm just saying. I've already got. Uh, <laughs> I've already got like the the idea behind like the cat too, what it looks like. If you look at the, um, did you not oh, see the art I posted this week? Oh, are you already doing? Yeah, okay, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. is it very similar to a Carthanator uh, from Avatar? Oh, I don't know what that looks like, but let me pull Kinda. up a picture. Yeah, it's got, it's got six eyes in the front. Yeah, it does. You're, you're talking about that big like tiger the, thing. Yeah, the Carthanator. Yeah, yeah. The, the big like the the. You're the, saying like I know what the fuck that is. Like you, it's a I real thing. You, you just talked it. about Avatar like ten I, seconds ago. Yeah, I know. And they're fucking ponytail vaginas. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, similar. Yeah, yeah. Not, not as big of a head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I gave it, I gave it saber tooth tusks so that the jaw like that. And head had to be made a little bit bigger. Yeah, look up the avatar cat. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They never said the actual name of the. Thing. Yeah, they did. Well, then I wasn't listening. Uh, there's, there's it standing next to a person. Okay. I've been. I'm yeah, working on the skeletal that, structure right now. Okay. They have to be man. Yeah, they're a lot smaller. Yeah. yeah, they're a lot smaller. They can kill. I mean, this is it's something the size of a tiger. So a tiger can totally fucking murk a dude. Oh yeah. No, and no, one no, of no. these cats. No, that the, the thing I'm talking about is like literally the size of like a bus. Yeah. Oh, those things. Yeah. Cat bus. Yeah. Those the puma, big. the puma looking thing from Avatar. Yeah, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. All right, cool. Cat bus. So we are going to move on to our main topic, which is a horror story written by me that takes place in the Warhammer 40k universe. If you guys are hitting us up right now and you want to either get involved with this spooky October or next spooky October, start working on those horror stories and sending them to us. 
We also have a segment that we do called Tales from the Hive, which replaces one of our Lore Stories episodes every couple of releases, and that is specifically your guys' lore. So if you're listening to the podcast and you like the idea of writing lore and you want us to share it, that is a way to do it. So we had originally intended to do our Tau Focus episode before I had introduced my Tau lore, but I specifically wrote my Tau lore as a spooky story, as a horror story. So we're going to kind of jump in order a little bit, but... Uh, Tom, would you do us the honor of kind of running down a little bit of Tau history as far as the spheres of expansion? Just go ahead and define them real quick. If you can. Uh, yeah. So the Tau moved into the stars uh, and began colonizing worlds in what they call spheres of expansion. The first sphere of expansion was obviously to conquer the local worlds. The second, third spheres were ones that started reaching kind of the limits of their universe their solar system because they don't they don't use faster they didn't use faster they don't yeah they still technically don't um they have developed the star tag nexus uh they have developed the star tag nexus which actually does enter the warp um and that is actually where the fifth sphere expansion went now you say sphere do they actually like outwards yes they 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 like rings they expand spherically like in in a i mean logistically three three dimensionally you know you've got to think of it like that so it's actually a bubble Right. So um, instead, of, instead of concentric circles of expansion, it's they, concentric They don't spheres. follow the rules of maps. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they literally just expand outwards into whatever's closest, you know, right. in every direction. Um, yeah. It's not like, oh, we're going this way. No, they, they are like, the cool, whatever. we are now, our, our known, what they know as their universe is now getting bigger. It's also yep. pretty well known that they're probably the smallest collection of like they, they are like the smallest race right. by far yeah um like their own little corner of the universe they're, yeah, they're the newest they have a very small empire so their their fourth sphere expansion expanded into the human territories their fifth sphere expansion actually was lost to the star tide nexus their sixth sphere expansion is what they're on now which is reclaiming their fifth right so the fifth was actually launched into the warp and lost through the star tide nexus. Uh, and they've entered into a place that's something, something via toll. Uh, I can't remember the exact name of it. I can't remember. Um, the sixth <clears throat> sphere expansion was actually when they woke up shadow sun and sent shadow sun into the star tide nexus. So she's actually at the atoll now, but the star tide nexus is like the key. That's basically their new launch point, um, yep. which launches them into the warp. And we'll get a lot deeper into this. And, you know, there are fixed like gates that exist. There's, there's another one up in Jericho reach that just connects to another point uh, and allows faster than light travel. And there's a couple of other of these, these ideas and we'll get a lot deeper into it when we actually hit Talor. We just kind of wanted to, to give you an idea. Well, the name of the atoll is the uh, Nimyar atoll. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, the Tau also have a tendency to call things like bay or atoll. They use a lot of ocean. Oh, like Magulath Bay? Yeah. yeah. The they use a lot of that stuff because there, there's areas of space that kind of act like good launching points in their minds. To go ahead and anchor my Tau lore, my Tau lore is concurrent with the fifth sphere of expansion, except they didn't launch into the warp. Bakor, which is a specific Tau world had a different plan or, or a plan next to a parallel plan, parallel plan. Thank you. This story is called 
the Mahamat, which is also the name of my army, is the Mahamat. Just really quickly to go over a couple of words that are used by the Tao. Shasa O is a Tower of the Firecast. It's also used as a commander title. Aun. Aun. Aun O. Yeah, Aun O is a Aun o ethereal. Is commander. an ethereal. Borkin is a Tau Sept world. Bork on. Bork N is yeah, Bor- a Borkan. Yeah, I always thought it was Borkan. Yeah. Beji means of the orcs. Res U is to destroy something in physical combat. And a Vesron is an art is the word that they use for artificial intelligence. So to get into the past of what made the Mahamat what they are, here is the story of their very beginning origins. A soft, repetitive chirp broke the stillness that had lain like a shroud over the command deck of the faded star for nearly 400 years. It slowly gained in volume until it displaced the gentle background thrum of deep space. An almost unsound, which had settled into a soothing harmony with the barely intangible sounds of the ship's few essential systems over the passing centuries. Presently, other sounds began to join in, like the whispering of liquid cooling systems or the harmonious chimes of crystal information structures, beginning to form a soft mechanical melody, which chased away the last threads of the remaining still quiet. Darkness, as deep as the space between stars, was next to suffer, as the electronic symphony was soon accompanied by a dim glow of indicator diodes which snapped into existence around the control deck, their initial red haze slowly fading into bright ambers before becoming a scattering collection of healthy, twinkling green and blue pinpoints. Main displays, notably absent of dust and the debris of deep space neglect, completed the banishment of darkness suddenly flooding the deck into a brilliance that banished all but the most stubborn of shadows. Like an ancient leviathan waking from a decades-long slumber, the faded star seemed to stretch, flex, and work out the kinks and cracks along her sleek superstructure. Silence and darkness like stubborn pests were chased into the smallest and most forgotten corners of the ship. Both main and auxiliary engines flared into momentary life, flooding diagnostics and engineering systems with power and raw data. Weapon systems, deep space electronic countermeasures, passive and active sensory systems, all woke with these independent surges of power. It was this flood of noise and data that woke the myriad of Tau drones nestled in their cradles and stored for the long journey between stars, a wave of sensor eyes winking into existence on the flight deck, each awoken with purpose-giving energy. Status updates, astronomical, biological, and environmental data swiftly followed by command queries flooded the internal drone network, which beeped happily and awaited command input. Lacking any immediate external input, the drones settled into a contentment of chirping hums while they waited the prescribed 48 hours before sending out a batch of rapid-fire requests. Query sent. Sasha O. Borkin Beji Resu. No response. Query sent. Current Sasha O in command. No response. Query sent. Corel Borkin Urin Sep. No response. Query sent. Current Corel in command of Faded Star. No response. An engineering drone was chosen, logically, as it was the first engineering drone closest to the drone flight deck doors. Its magripulsors flared to life 
before it shook itself to break a thin layer of ice that had coalesced in the absence of life support systems. It slid forward and then dropped several feet before redirecting its course along the ranks of drones, coming to a stop before a recon drone. A microburst of information traveled between the two, the drone systems exchanging a brief burst of activity while the recon drone systems and processing powers were enslaved to the engineering drone system. For a brief subroutine, these two basic minds, neither capable of much more processing than that of a rodent, shared multiple identities before the engineering drone subprocesses was chosen as the logical master. This new collective swelled with processing power, close to that of a canine, and reached out to bring two more drones online, a shield drone and a medical drone being slaved into the growing consciousness. With a greater awareness of skill sets, the collective was much more capable than a simple engineering drone would have been alone. Its systems pinged the surrounding room, a wide array of sensory inputs causing the cluster of drones to shine briefly red with an explosion of laser light which covered every angle of the bay and a momentary liquid-like grid. A drone, nor a collective approaching higher artificial intelligence, does not by design know fear, or horror, nor isolation. But what greeted the collective caused all three in the developing Vestron. For dead Tau lay piled five deep, almost to the bottom row of the drone cradles. Their twisted and destroyed corpses collected deep and covering the entire hangar bay floor. The terror of their deaths forever etched into what was left of their long-since-mummified faces. Armor had been rent asunder, bodies pulled in two. Others were like dried sacks, their bones having been pulverized, and those whose eyes and facial slits had been burned out as if internally. It was a terrible fate evident in the near four-foot-deep debris of broken corpses. A cold calculation dawned on the collective, and realization set in, as every member of the cadre that had been active when it had last docked lay discarded in a grim display below it. After a quick scan, it determined that of the bodies present, only Sasha O. Borkan Beji Resu and An Aun O. Borka Sest Un were unaccounted for. The momentary thrill of hope set in. Forgotten was the evidence of time's passage, replaced with an almost zealous fever that it could find someone else to take the lead. A chance to disband its woeful intelligence back into the ignorance of a mere single drone. These current thoughts, calculations, and fears would be mercifully consigned to the endless black once again, and its collected data would be scrubbed. With this naive hope and knowledge that both the ethereal and high commander were just missing, the collective brought two gun drones and a pair of medical drones online to join it its consciousness swelling enough that reasoning threatened to replace its blind subroutines. They could both still be alive and able to command, a possibility that offered respite for the collective. It had happened before. There were stasis chambers on the ship, an even abnormally aged Tau, or possibly some other twist of an entropic universe. Statistically improbable, but not impossible. And so it was with these thoughts that the collective hovered out into the sterile and brightly lit halls of the faded star. The ship proved to be entirely sanitized and devoid of anything living or dead, with the exception of the main drone and hangar bay and the engineering bays. The collective encountered no evidence of a struggle, no debris, and no other bodies. It seemed that the automated systems had kicked in and done their jobs admirably. The ship was spotless and all major systems had been repaired. It was almost as if the bodies had been dragged into the hangar bay. Horror, however, awaited the collective on the main engineering decks, just above and afore the primary engines. 
strung up and splayed in an X, like a cross between a medical experiment and a trophy, hung Sasha O. Borkin Beji Resu, hands and feet nailed to the smooth walls with 20-inch long crude iron nails. Stomach slit straight through his armor, from collarbone to pelvis, his internal organs pulled out. These had been pinned and arranged in some chaotic order to the wall around the body with more iron nails. His body and organs had long since mummified. The viscera and fluids of his hellish execution, which had once covered much of the space in sticky wet gore, had long since dried into crusted stains on the metal finish of both walls and floor. A set of bloody footprints led from the body into the dark recesses of a fabrication chamber, where another corpse sat curled about its hands. Ethereal Anuo Borkan Sest Un was only recognizable after a series of medical scans. What had once been her body was curled into a fetal position, surrounding an object held cradled protectively in her hands. Her mutilated and mummified corpse still clutched to a long, twisted, black-green ritualistic knife. The green haze of warp taint peeling the very fabric of reality as it curled like smoke from the crude but brutally sharp blade. Arrayed around the body was a mess of desiccated gore and scattered piles of iron rust and bits of discarded plastics. Much like the grisly display on the wall, as horrifying as it all was, machine logic dictated this jumbled mess should have been cleaned up long ago. An insect-like chattering or whispering filled the air, an alien sound that clashed with the quiet machine hum of engineering systems and life support. The collective was unable to place the frequency. It matched nothing in record. A sample was taken of the sound before they filtered it out, becoming nothing other than another subsystem so it could focus on other sensory data. It was around this moment that the collective first thought of itself as a he. No, as the entity of Asani. He spent a subroutine perplexed by this odd sensation before a raw, a raw spike in processing power filtered through his growing consciousness. It passed, however, as there was still a mission that demanded his utter focus. Tasked with cataloging this bizarre horror, one of his medical drones moved to prize the dagger from the curled and almost skinless hand. The ethereal had most likely died of massive blood loss while flaying her own skin strips of which lay arrayed around her position in a complex, if completely unreadable, configuration, identifiable as purposeful even where, it disappeared, even where it disappeared under the technological debris scattered throughout the deck. With a pulse of emergency sensory data, the medical drone's magnetic field resonator plates sparked and shorted as it got within the circle of singed, curled, and mummified flesh. It dropped several inches before backup systems kicked in and the drone stabilized. Shaking off this momentary glitch, Avasani sent the command again, and the medical drone resumed its task. As it moved several inches closer, however, it twitched hard to the left, and its stabilizers once again shorted. For a long second, it froze, as if waiting out a momentary spell of vertigo. Then its armored ceramic plasteel casing cracked before its manipulators ruptured from its side. Like, lot, like rotting flesh giving way to spew intestines, the metal arms twisted and contorted at unnatural angles as they rapidly rusted before freezing into rigorous postures in seconds. Before Avasani could send another command, the medical drone began to drift slowly towards the ethereal, as if caught in some terrible gravity. 
Then its magnetic field resonators pinged in wine in one final protest before, with a burst of sparks and oily fluids, announced the next failure, sending the medical drone smashing to the deck. A hellish squeal filled the deck as the medical drone's emergency protocols kicked in, even as rapid decay and corruption ate away at its composite parts. Avasani recoiled as the hellish scream filled his internal sensors, the feedback racing across the wireless connection the medical drone still shared with the collective. Quickly, he quarantined the medical drone's neural connections and files, dumping the data as fast as he could destroy it, finally ending the hellish scream that had shattered the almost tranquil silence of the ship. He backed the collective away. The data was enough to mark this object, this knife, as something of chaos something the Tau had never developed a way to contain. This was a problem he would need to approach more carefully. As the medical drone rusted and disintegrated, as if suddenly exposed to hundreds of years of neglect, Avasani noticed the significance of the other scattered piles of rusted debris, which lay scattered all around the engineering bay. The corpse of the long, the corpses of long disintegrated and decayed cleaning or repairing drones that had once serviced this area. He activated communications, sending a ping out to the rest of the fleet that drifted alongside the faded star. No longer was the horror of surprise a new companion. His database continued to swell with experiences he wished to shed. And so it was, with quiet resignation, that Avasani began to scan reports from other drone collectives throughout the fleet. Similar scenes of horror repeated themselves on all eight ships, as if Sest Un had moved from ship to ship, carrying out her grisly plan, one Sasha O at a time. But what had killed the rest of the Tau? And why were none of the other collectives cursed with this spark of higher self-awareness? If he was to uncover the nature of this disaster, he would need better tools, better equipment, something more like a biological body. If he were to be alone in setting this horror right and returning the fleet to Borkon, he would need more resources than he currently had. Drifting back into the hangar, Avasani brought the rest of the drones online, tasking them with collecting and preparing the bodies of the dead for incineration within the reactors. But that didn't feel right. What, what was feeling? No, it was too cold to do that, too mechanical. These Tau had died as warriors. Against what, he still had no idea. His mind made up, he sent out new orders, for the bodies to be arranged and prepared for burial in space each body to be investigated and cataloged by medical drones before being wrapped and moved to the flight deck. He then moved the entire collective to the command deck and began to physically link his disparate systems, feeling a swell of processing power and the glorious fading of latency as each drone of the collective's data banks were dumped into the faded stars network. Avasani began to interface himself directly into the ship's primary systems and let his consciousness flood into the ship's much more robust and expansive processing system. Once linked, access to the collections of data stores of the Tau Empire and the Borkin Sept flooded into his mind, and he swelled with purpose, his personality swelling the entire ship, which seemed to breathe in a deep sigh. However, all this data would take time to process and learn from, and before he drifted, he sent one final set of instructions then allowed his consciousness to sink into a sea of data he now found at his whim. In the hangar bay, four engineering drones stopped their task, the bodies they had been moving forgotten and dumped back into the pile of dead. They paused for a moment, chattering amongst one another in machine code, and then moved to the battlesuits bay. Their new directive was clear. Avasani, their new master, had demands of a body.
these guys know because they've played against my Tau before. Warriors in my Tau are all gene cloned and they have a personality artificially implanted into the back of their necks before they fight. All of the commanders and all of the battle suits are artificial intelligences that have been created by Avasani. Avasani has realized through the rest of processing into the lore of the way my army is designed that they are way too far away to get back to real Tau space and do anything relatable with the information that they have. So he sent it all back to Borkin and then decided that he needed to collect as much information in the area he was in. So the so you, Mahomet are you don't run, run like, by an AI. You don't run like fire warriors and they are. I like, do run fire warriors. You do. Okay. So they're just cloned suits. bodies. They're oh. medically cloned bodies. Okay. I see what you're saying. That have had an engrammatic chip shoved into their head for like training and whatnot. Yeah. So, so basically as soon as Avasani settles into this battle fleet's mainframe and gets all of this data, he finds out that there's engrammatic, engrammatic chips or backup consciousnesses of all of these warriors because the Borkin realized that there was no way the Tau that got on the ships would be able to fight when it reached its destination. Like some seventh day shit. So with, (laughs) with a, with a mixture of using stasis pods and using engrammatic chips, they would basically continue to download into new bodies when they needed them. However, since they all fucking horribly died, Avasani is basically left with all of these like proto intelligences, these mm-hmm. things that aren't quite people, and a bunch of medical equipment that he can clone with. So he creates a clone army. Out of necessity, Out of necessity and forces these consciousnesses into them. So the continuing horror of the Mahomet is that the fire warrior you're currently fighting may have died horribly hundreds of times. It kind of reminds me of um, in Battlestar Galactica, Spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it. I mean, I it's been out it. for it's been out forever. Yeah, Don't do but it, the uh, the Cylon Raiders, the the ships, the right. little pilot ships, yeah, are yeah. sentient. Yeah, oh, yeah, they get exploded. That, that's a their thing consciousness dying. teleports back to the base. Yeah, the base and then there. they build them a new ship. Oh, okay. So, so when it's kind of like uh, so like when you're fighting carbon. it, yeah, they like they remember. So that that was the kernel of the idea. Um, I, I, that's really cool with Battlestar. I didn't know that, but the kernel of the idea was altered carbon. So these fire warriors essentially have a stack. If you guys right. have seen that the show altered carbon death doesn't really matter anymore because your consciousness, your soul well, can be saved to a disc if, if you're, you're rich, rich. enough <laughs> and be implanted into a younger body. Well, this you is could, essentially, you could, your, you could have your sentience downloaded into basically the cloud yeah, and then be put into either a clone of your own body. Right. Or into you're, another body. You're basically downloaded into what's called a stack. And then yeah. that stack, if that's destroyed, you're... It's like your Tron disc, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So that's essentially what's happening. That I'm playing with that because the Tau have engrammatic chips. So these engrammatic chips are being used like a stack. They're being put into a body. And it, a lot in the same way, if a Tau fire warrior's head is like torn off with a bolt around, it's probably going to destroy his chip. So that Tau is never going to come back. Right. But Avasani is backing up all the surviving warriors every time they come back. Yeah. So he can just make whatever he needs. And because he's dictated by a certain amount of logic mixed with a heavy dose of chaos taint, the way that I built the story of Asani doesn't think of himself as a person until he interacts with the dagger. 
It's the interaction with the dagger. It's that introduction of the, the warp taint, which changes the machine code just enough to build artificial intelligence. It was kind of on its way there. So the way it was, cause it was started to like demanding more system resources yeah. and you know, so that, as, and it, that's, as it, it's a logarithms analyze the situation and, and yeah. realized that it was the highest functioning intelligence present. Therefore it became right. a higher functioning intelligence. And then, and then he started to build a personality. So the After way that the warp taint, yeah. the way that drones work in the Tau empire is that like a singular drone has, they, they call it like the intelligence of a squirrel. Yeah. But a group of five drones thinks a little bit more like a dog. Yeah. And a group network. of 10 drones works a little bit more like a pack of wolves. Like they have this escalation as more of them get networked, they become smarter. And I was just kind of playing like around programming with programming power kind of right, thing. Right. Because they're, they're getting more processing power. They're essentially, but their overall to the network. Yeah. Their yeah. overall directive is as soon as they can to split back up. So they never become a man of iron in air quotes. Essentially, that was the Tao's backup plan is right. when, when enough of you get together and the problem has been solved, you then scatter. You divert. Yeah, yeah, you scatter. And and the drones want that. They want that blissful ignorance. They want to go back to just sort of existing. So the I didn't even think about it that way, that like being self-aware is probably not an enjoyable experience. They don't like robot. it. The drone so they would like actually it. seek out. Right. To be separate. That's that's cool. I like that. But Avasani, once that moment happened, was like, no, I want I need this. And and he, and he well, justifies that, and the, through the story that he needs to do it for the greater good. I never right. specifically specify it, but every time he makes a decision, it's to fix the problem. It's to follow the prime directive right. rather than just letting the fated star and its fleet drift endlessly in space. Right. So in, in my mind, the fated star and its fleet is somewhere in the Gothic sector. Uh, and because of Asani doesn't really give a shit about the ethereal cast at all, I mean, because actually, he blames an ethereal for what's happened. He doesn't have a problem using the warp using warp drives. And since the clones on his ship can just be downloaded and killed wholesale, because it don't matter, mm -hmm. he can kill all the biological stuff and then jump the entire fleet into the warp and pop out wherever he wants. No biggie. And hatch new clones. Did you ever consider maybe throwing it around the Halo stars? That'd be, that'd be dope, actually. I Having figured that would be like direct conflict with, with, the with whatever the Necron dynasties. Yeah. With all that, with the crazy Necron dynasties yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And I'd, I'd really love to see, and I'm sure Tom would too. I'd really love to see the ninth edition Tau book have stuff that I can really like pick apart and use to build a Vasani the way I want to. Um, but the cool. way that I currently run the army when I do run ethereals and you guys have seen this cause I've printed, I've 3d printed at least one of my like, crazy battle suits. That's the ethereal. The ethereal is an AI that Evasani has built and they act in the stead of an ethereal. So instead of doing Farsight Enclave and using that as the basis, I use Taucept. I use Borkin as my base, but there are no ethereals. Their AI is there. All there are no, this, they're servers this. essentially. They are, yeah. And they also don't use auxiliaries. They have no use for auxiliaries. This entire, he, he makes what he wants. Yeah. So it was just a, it was a way to do what I wanted with the Tau. Um, and because I'm a fucking horror nerd, I had to make it like super dark, Pretty dark. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good though. I liked it. Sam, I dig it. Yeah. I, yeah. What do you guys, I guess, what does everybody think? <laughs> I, I just like the, uh, 
I know Kevin's. <laughs> Kevin gave it one fart up. Well, I think we're like good. six in at this point. Six farts. I got six farts. <laughs> good props, man. It's good props. <laughs> no, I dig it. I really like the AI aspect of it. I really liked how you're like uh, almost trying to make it so the AI is uh, like becoming uh, its own thing. Like it's uh, the dude. He's growing up. He's yeah. getting a personality. Exactly. We are Trapper Keeper. We are one. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it's a, that one. I'm, I'm trying to think of like a, a, an example of what I could pull from, but it's, um, I don't know why, but like Overdrive for some reason. <laughs> Old school. <laughs> overdrive? <laughs> it just reminds I don't know why. Oh, man. But uh, no, I dig it, dude. I like the like kind of like the grim, dark horror aspect of it. I, I, I like it. It's almost... Uh, you could almost use like Farsight the model since he has like the sword and then he's got the dagger kind of thing. But I know you're not trying to pull from that. You're trying to use Borcon, right? Yeah. Well, and I so I had found this really cool 3D model. Uh, it's called the Cheetah, and it looks a little. It it's very definitely like just some weird artist's 3D model. And I, and I bought it from the guy, um, but it's just it's a mech. It's a it's a cool looking mech, mm-hmm. and it's got like a really long bladed staff. So I printed that out and that's a Vasani. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't, I haven't played with him yet. He hasn't been on table yet because, yeah, yeah. because again, like 90% of the time of Asani is just the faded star. He is the ship at this point, right? He right. does whatever the fuck he doesn't he wants. need to be on the battlefield, but when he makes a clone of himself or when he makes a copy of himself and send himself to the battlefield, he comes in that mecha model. Okay. And then he would just be, I would run him with Probably ethereal like rules. Yeah. Oh, yeah. with the, as an ethereal? I would run him as an ethereal. Gotcha. I'd really... love to see more options so I could run him with fusion blades or something yeah. close combat. I would love to see like a close combat towel. Like it's that'll have there. to be in the ninth codex or the yeah. The ninth yeah, codex. I mean that's there as, will be... as soon as the new codex comes out, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm well, remake yeah. my towel and be all close combat. As close combat as you can be, essentially. Yeah. yeah. I probably wouldn't do all close combat, but I would definitely whatever the close combat rules they introduce, that would be all the AI st- structures. They all of these, to, all of these battlesuit AIs would be super close combat because yeah. they don't care. They want and and that's the other like horror element that you can play with when you're playing with an AI, especially a Tau AI. They might want to know like I need the medical data of what being in close combat is. Right. So I'm literally just going to tear a bunch of things apart because I want to see what's inside you. What makes a space marine tick? I don't know. Let's rip one in half. <laughs> Let's dissect it while it's alive. Yeah, yeah. On the battlefield, and then like I could even work in like if we ever did like crusade stuff or narrative stuff, and I played these guys, I could even work in. Oh no, he killed the space marine in close combat. He's staying. He's not moving anymore. He won't attack anybody for a turn because he's just sitting there like rooting through guts, like poking things. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. It kind of reminds me um, in the Halo books, they go over. It's not the prophets, but they have like a a smart cast of the engineers. Yeah. Maybe it's the engineers. I don't know. But but it's got like a bunch of squid arms, essentially. And while they're still like sieging reach, like, yeah, yeah. They're they're like, it's like taking apart a car engine. Yep. Exactly. Like just learning it how just human wants to shit know works. What the fuck is, like, I what is like, what they're, called, they're just I'm... like combat patrol walking down the street, and behind them, it's just like big squid monster, like just taking shit apart, put it back together, and moves on to the next thing. Yep. Like, I forgot what they're called, but yeah, I, I remember seeing that. Remember, yeah, I remember seeing Enslavers. that. Enslavers, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> well, you guys have any other input? Did I? I, I don't know because like I have a hard time. I have a I have an easier time identifying the horror I've written when I read it internally. I read this out loud yesterday to kind of fix some of the grammatical errors and made sure it flew, flew, 
flows flows thank you Mm -hmm. flows a little bit nicer and i was like oh this isn't as scary as i thought (laughs) i think like adding uh uh like personality to the basically the cloned individual so like i I mentioned uh the seventh day earlier yeah and how like they don't realize they're clones or realize that they've died because like they can't remember the past like such and such hours or they don't realize that they're that they're being recloned uh, something of that nature can probably add like a, a little bit of a horror aspect to it. I mean, or like got, if there's a, a mistake and they get double cloned and they see each other and they're like, what the fuck? That's one thing I was considering is can they have double copies of the same one or because it's the stack, the stack physically it, has to move. I mean, it, at the end of the day, the reason that a stack was a singular was because there was a there was a religious aspect associated to the story of Altered Carbon. Right. At, as soon as your data, your data. And it like say you have a really good fire warrior. Say you have a, a really good uh, cadre, uh, cadre fire fireblade, fireblade. Fire thank you. And he's just fucking excellent. And Avasani is like, oh, cool. He's he's led my army to like ten victories, and now I'm going up a, up against a force twice as big as I've ever fought. I'm gonna clone him twice. An AI isn't gonna care. An AI is not gonna make the has like, no the moral ramifications until it doing. sees it play out. Right. It's and then it's like, oh, that wasn't a good And that idea. could be a horror story where it's yeah. like, oh, crap, right. I'm not going to make two of the same clone again. That did not go well. <laughs> like, then, I'm sorry, Osasha O. Number one. Harold. <laughs> this is Osasha O. Harold. You're not the same, I promise. <laughs> I think I think a good way to 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 expand upon it would be to run into another hunter cadre that's just out there and they're just horrified and, and they're the, like the and it's like what, is, like, yeah, what are like, you doing yeah exactly <laughs> and then he's like oh they've got some good fighting qualities we don't have we must destroy them to assimilate, assimilate their death. yeah well I mean whatever it may be turn them into I mean, the Borg. Well, like, I, I mean, I where think they, of where they're like, they become like, oh, we're just going to since they're like so far away. Right. Anything Tau that they meet, they just incorporate into the fleet. Well, I think yeah. of it as like, you know, fucking uh, Hal. You know, Hal like, Hello, Dave. You know, like, <laughs> like right. and it's just it's like, hello, Shasta. like the, this, this Hunter Cadre <laughs> is becoming to the point of it's like, well, you know, the flesh is weak. Yes. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, 100%. Like, like bringing itself to that point to where it's like, no, 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 no. We must assimilate everything. Like we must make everybody AI like, and you know, the other hunter cadre is like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. We like being alive. And it's like, no, you don't Dave. You, know, like, <laughs> you will join us. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I showed you, I had, I, uh, I know Tom's seen it. You've seen the sketch I made of my cadre fire blade that I want to do, right? Mm-hmm. Where his entire lower body is mechanical because mm-hmm. he got cut in half on the battlefield. And of, uh, of Asani was like, oh, no, you're one of my best generals. So instead of backing you up and putting you in a new body, I'm going to fix your current body. So there are my my plan is cadre to fire Billy have. Yeah, essentially <laughs> is to essentially have tau warriors in the line that have been mechanically patched up yeah but because also at a certain I mean, point, you, it's a waste of resources organic just material body, well you know? yeah. also think of like you know the the neurochip like the engram neurochip like yeah. you effectively lobotomize the part the human yeah by it's, putting it's that thing just in. the construct yeah exactly so like you have you can have these fire warriors that are like put piece back together but they're not who they were yeah. You know, like oh, yeah, they have neurochips in them now. Like they're, they're now part of the AI, you know, like, and it's all connected to the singular AI. 
You know? I think if you want to try and capture the horror aspect of it, though, you can't like look at the overall like, oh, this is an AI and this is this is the bad things that are happening. I think you have to capture like the viewpoint of the individual. Oh, so yeah. like the guy is like a, a day in the life of a fire warrior kind of thing. Like well, I, I have nightmares of dying a thousand times. Yeah. And the way like, the way like that, oh, the way that I see necessarily remember their own death if right. they just yeah. get offed. The way that I see the engranatic chips being used is like when they're when they're in storage when they haven't been put into a body they're they exist the way that tom's talking they're they're all part of the same thing uh, but when they're formed and shoved into a biological body as soon as that biological body starts having its own experiences it starts building its own personality so that chip changes to be that fire warrior uh, and that fire warrior isn't hive mind back in unless they die so that could happen right. especially if the same you know, maybe, maybe the last time you experienced this, you you were a female clone, and this time you're a male clone. Oh, and there's that Where's body, <laughs> there's that body horror and body dysmorphia mixed with the fact that, like, yeah, you fucking fall asleep and have horrible nightmares right. of being torn apart by tyranny. Well, also, and you said since it's like it's not a, the whole person; it's just a fragment of their like personality. It wouldn't even necessarily know if it was male or female. <laughs> All it would know is it's woken up in both bodies like a thousand times. Right, right, right. And There's it's like, no, at that point, it doesn't know, am I male or female? So like every has, time yeah. it wakes up, it's like, what's going it, on? Exactly. It's and the body, the like body, really misfor the misform, yeah. um, dysphoria, dysphoria, where it like literally has this consciousness that has no idea what its base status is supposed to be anymore. Right. And, and like really pushing that, that idea of what does that mean from a body horror perspective? Mm hmm. Well, that and then kind of the existential idea of like how we were talking, the drones want to separate. Yeah. But this uh, drone yeah. is still stuck on like go mode. Yeah. Well, of if it's always Asani like, doesn't see himself as a drone anymore. Right. But does that that part of wanting to then disassociate with itself? Like, does that remain? Well, yeah, because he's made he's made copies of his consciousness. Exactly. So, so he's copied his consciousness into every ship in the fleet. But not every ship in the fleet is Avasani. They have their own. Right. That's how he's reproducing. But then it but he like makes what a I'm copy is, and then that copy is I don't want essentially, to be hived with you anymore. He's kind of like living thing. out his own nightmare. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, yeah. you know, the like I said, the drones want to disassemble, but he's still growing, yeah. which is the opposite of what he wants to be doing. Right. The other but thing that, is like, that's the goal. The other so thing it's like, is a, like a, a counterintuitive yin yang of production and disassembly what what happens you know that the next logical step would be like obviously i can't send something mechanical into the engineering bay to get the dagger i'm going to send a fire warrior in to get it and I'm like the fire warrior doesn't come back for like a couple of days so he sends a drone to see what's going on and like oh the fire warrior flayed himself fucking alive and is now a dead pile no, on the dear. ground he hung himself well shit intestines with his yeah. hand okay now i'll send two okay great they murdered each other now i'll send a team Okay. And then like, at what point does he just go? We just, we don't go into engineering. We just don't anymore. go there anymore. <laughs> this door is closed. <laughs> or does he find a way to get the dagger? And at what point does the dagger, you know, who's the dagger associated with? Is the dagger an artifact of corn? Is the dagger, dagger an artifact of zinch? Is kind the dagger of sounded like Nurgle when, with the way you were describing it. Well, so the way that I've always looked at like weird warp energies, specifically, like affecting mechanical stuff, like even las rifles and shit is it causes a warping of time. 
So your Laz rifle starts to rust and fall apart. It's not necessarily that it's Nurgle's taint. It's the fact that warp just fucks with time. Right. But Nurgle's stuff is generally attributed to decay. Yeah. Even uh, against like, um, like bio or not uh, mechanical mechanical stuff. Yeah. I, I, it's just stuff to play with. And I that was, that was my personal interpretation. You no, know, it's it cool. almost like the way you were describing it in my head when you said like all the parts and stuff flared, like shooting out the sides of the drone, I was almost imagining like intestines spilling out of a wound. Oh yeah, man. That's, I was like, how do I make that imagery? But with a, with a, with mechanical, a mechanical device. No. And you nailed it. I actually, it, it gave me exactly that image. That's cool. Like, Taking a peanut butter jelly sandwich and just squishing it down, watching all the shit come shit out of it. Out of it. <laughs> peanut butter jelly sandwich. And yes. Except since it's a drone, it would be more like an uncrustable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a drone is an uncrustable. You seen the way they're shaped? Yeah, like they are saucer shaped. <laughs> so yeah, that'll that'll bring us to the close of this episode of Lore Stories. Again, our first of several spooky nights of content for you guys. We hope you enjoyed that. We definitely have a lot of fun trying to tell each other scary stories. Tom's pretty good at coming up with scary stories on the fly. So I'm definitely looking forward to that happening sometime during Spooktober. We are going to try to get some Space Hulk content at least started for you guys. Um, Let us know too. Do you guys want us to pause? You know, we haven't done Aldari part three yet. Do you want us to pause and not do Aldari part three? And uh, release Spooky our interview. All, yeah, all, all October. And, re- and release our uh, interview with Nerd of Many Faces as a bonus episode instead, and just really focus on horror content. Uh, hit us up. You can reach us with your spooky stories or your interpretations or your desires or whatever you want to call them at Under the Hive of Madness at gmail.com or jimdarkgaming at gmail.com. We also are very easily reached on Discord, as we talked about earlier today. We also have that Hive project that we work on on Discord as well. So you can join us there to work out some lore. Yeah, you want to talk about forearmed rats. You want to talk about uh, forearmed emperors. You want to talk about uh, the sump, the sump, uh, sump foot. What's his name? The Sumfoot, right? The, the Verminarch? Yeah, the yeah. Sumfoot? Yeah, Sumfoot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about, uh, you know, Cyber Mastiffs and all of our gangs and... Ponytail uh, vaginas? If you don't want to <laughs> talk about that we, specifically. We also have legitimate <laughs> channels, you know, like tactics and painting. <laughs> hey, what's the, why is lore not legitimate? Well, lore lore and was creative, legitimate. Oh, I, yeah. meant, I meant legitimate channels not talking about ridiculous shit. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. You see, Kevin is the guy who joined the Lauren Creative Writing Podcast. It's like, I don't like these things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Lauren Creative I'm just, Writing. I'm, dude, I just I'm just shit. not a toe sucker. So, you know. <laughs> oh, so you don't like all of the weird toe stuff that Marky started. I mean... <laughs> You do you. Choose, choose Everybody's your next got a words thing. carefully. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> got a thing. This mugarage. Toes aren't mine. I don't think toes are any of ours. I can respect that. They're marked. I guess. <laughs> are, are they your thing? Are they actually That's your just, thing? Hey, I just thought this was a runaway joke you that know, we weren't you know. addressing. I mean, I anymore. still thought it was a runaway joke, also. But don't, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out try, there. Man. You know, everybody's yeah, got a true, thing. Don't knock maybe, it till you try. Maybe yeah. his thing is toast. Exactly. Um, maybe it is. And I'm maybe not judging you for it. Good, if you want to see, I mean, I am, but, but <laughs> if most people come to our Discord, you know, and they just want to do Warhammer shit, then we do have. Yeah, and if they don't suck toes, they don't belong there. I'm sorry. That's true. We we have a lot of other. That's not true. I'm gonna go make. I'm gonna go make my own Discord with blackjack and hookers. We. 
do have a lot of other offerings. Because <laughs> I'm going to bring toes to the table. <laughs> we all say, oh my God. Oh, independent business ah, women, if they want to do things with toes, that is between you, them, so, and their wallet. So to, read it, so to redirect us, we, as Kevin's mentioning, we do have a lot of other offerings on our Discord. We got some video game channels. We have a remote control channel where... These guys talk about remote control cars. There's even been some discussions of drones, both the recording and the racing style drones. Planes, copters. Yeah. Quadcopters. Buildos. The proper term is a quadcopter. Quad we also unfortunately have a magic channel. So yeah, we have a like magic channel. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately. We have some Dungeons and Dragons we channels. We have a magic channel. We have Toes channel. Like, what is this? We have, uh, we have some role-playing content. Yeah, there's a, bunch of, there's a bunch of stuff to check out on our Discord. Let us not contest. continue to digress. <laughs> we are rambling. <laughs> yeah, we have, uh, we have a painting contest going on right now. In fact, as of the drop date for this episode, you have exactly two days to hit us up in the painting contest entries channel, you need to either be a Patreon member or follow us on Twitch. And once we see that, you can go ahead and take a picture of the model that you're planning on painted, primed. You cannot have started on it yet with a placard or a note behind it that has your Discord name, the hashtag Emperors for Toes, and the date on it, so we can just verify that you're following all the rules. That painting contest wraps up October 31st. We will be taking no entries that are made after 1159, October 31st, and then we will post them all up and go into the voting process. You can find out more about that on our Discord. You can also hit up any of the prophets of Mork, Gork and Mork. Those are us or our moderators, the Mech Boys, to ask them any questions that you might have. Um, if you want to support us in other ways, you can either jump onto our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash under the hive of madness and support us directly. We have some polls, some questions that we ask. We drop some art there and we've starting to release some PDF stuff. So if you guys want to get either of our official uh, object, objective markers, you can go there and get the PDF and then go to a company like 3D6 to order those objective markers on your own. Not affiliated. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we don't have a deal with merch through anybody, but if that's the style of objective marker you'd like just with our art, we are providing the art so you guys can go out and get your own stuff. We are definitely working on some other options, some other merch stuff as we grow. I mean, the real question is, are you really a fan if you don't have them? I don't think so. <laughs> you can also join us. Friday nights at 6.30, between 6 and 6.30 Pacific Standard Time on our Twitch channel. We try generally try to be live by 6.30 so you can join in the hype train and watch our countdown clock earlier. Uh, that's twitch.tv slash jimdark underscore gaming. We normally do battle reports, but we also have done some hobby streams, some Ask Us Anythings, and we have some future content planned like game nights, and exploration of rules, possibly even some kill teams. So that's a, another way to connect with us. And RPGs. Yeah. Any other ways that you want to connect to us through social media, you can hit up our link tree, which is linktree slash under the hive. As always, spellings and links to everything I just mentioned will be in our show notes. Guys, did I leave anything out? Nope. Uh, sounds like you covered all the bases. 
Right. Well, as we mentioned here at 665.66UHMR Chem Rat Radio, murder ball season is in swing. So start placing those bets, but don't go down any dark alleys if you own anybody money, if you know what I mean. We'd like to remind you that there is no such thing as petting a four-armed emperor's belly Unless, of course, you really don't like anything south of your elbow. This is Kemrat Radio signing off. Peace. Later. Later.